I think it's time to blow this scene. Get everybody and their stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, let's jam. Let's jam. Howdy, partners. We got a bounty coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> He's been wanted for stealing space drugs, and he has a horrible past that you're going to learn about. <laughs> oh, and there's a doggy. <laughs> And a, a cute kid. And a cute kid. And a sexy femme fatale. And a tough-as-nails former cop with a heart of gold. Now, straight up, though, this is the greatest opening to, to, is, a, to a TV show. This it's, Maybe sans, like, cheers. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is the greatest song ever for an opening theme to with a the TV show. With the salt bass graphics, like, exploding all around you, just guns and spaceships and karate and sexy ladies. This in this sax right here. Oh, it's coming up in just a second. Hold on, wait for it. Because we have to play the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. They have to hear the whole thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, am I 16 years old again in my parents' rec room <laughs> about to get my mind blown? What's, that's what that song is. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Wizard and the Bruiser. I'm your snooty bruiser, Holden McNeely. That's right. Bruiser got rich. Bruiser got a little snooty. He drinks espressos before he beats the shit out of the guy. And I'm your hard-time wizard, sucking dick for spells. Oh, a hard-edged wizard. Like a, like a, it's like a, it's like a noir wizard. A new wizard. Welcome to the Cowboy Bebop episode of Wizard and the Bruiser. You want it. We gave it to you. You wanted it a lot. Yes, you actually. Asked for it repeatedly in the many, fan group. Many people want it a lot, and I promise we will also do an episode on Power Rangers. Just stop it. <laughs> we'll wait for the sequel to the remake of the yeah. movie after the remake is going to be very successful because it looks so good. We get it. You loved the Power Rangers when you were a kid. Anywho, <laughs> Cowboy Bebop's the show we're here to talk about today, and my God, Jake, I had such a blast. Um... You know, just going back in time, uh, enjoying the shit out of this show. I'm rewatching it now, mm -hmm. of course, had to, and and just absolutely falling in love with it all over again. And uh, yeah, you said you had a, kind of a similar experience uh, late as of late. We've done a couple episodes at this point, and I don't think a single topic just kind of just sent me into a weird space, quiet head zone, <laughs> like rewatching Cowboy Bebop for the first time in like over ten years. Oh my god! Because this was the gateway drug for American anime nerds in the uh, early 2000s. This was what kind of elevated what we kind of know as otaku culture in America right now. Mm -hmm. uh, it's I remember being 16 years old and watching this every week, uh, you know, because Adult Swim was this exciting new programming block. And Funny you should mention it. It became the first anime to be broadcast on Adult Swim in 2001, and it was so successful that they repeatedly aired the 26-episode series over and over again for four years. I, and I probably watched it the whole time because what, what I want to communicate in, in this episode is that watching Cowboy Bebop for the first time is an exciting experience because there is liter it, the series was capable of of anything from episode to episode you would not know what is actually going to happen this week 
And nine times out of ten, if not ten times out of ten, it would leave you satisfied and breathless you would and hyped as fuck. Totally, completely surprised. I mean, and, and to kick it off with that first episode, too, where you have this big explosive opening. And then most of the episode is quite minimalist. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of music. There's not a lot. It's like this slow kind of follow, following around the city kind of series of scenes. And then right, like the moment you're kind of settled into all that, boom, this fucking <laughs> sick jazz, like sick ass jazz beat comes in. This amazing amazing fight sequence like you've never seen a fight sequence before in an anime largely due to its soundtrack and everything um but uh yeah i i just it was so cool to see it again and be like no this wasn't some shit i was Mm -hmm. into because it had all the trappings of like something that you would be into back then this is like some legit ass kind of similar to my as still ongoing like pouring back into neon genesis evangelion Mm. that i've been doing um recently i mean it just it holds up like a motherfucker and you know you all asked for this episode because it's like because like so many other people you feel like it's one of the greatest animes of all time and i do not think you are wrong for a second a lot of a lot of times we go back to something that we remember from our childhoods with this kind of like we take the nostalgia glasses off and we're like uh you know this was really lame and oh this was just some like edgelord dark shit that we thought was cool but that was the most humbling thing was re-watching this and over and over again going holy shit cowboy bebop is really that Good. Now, I think it really comes down to the perfect sort of mixing of elements. Mm-hmm. There's like a couple things going on here, actually, too, because I want to also say that even upon hearing that opening theme for the first time, seeing that opening sequence for the mm-hmm. first time, the whole thing, even just it was so there, the look of everything, mm-hmm. the design of all of the spacecraft, the everything, it was all so there. It felt immediately like one of those things I had been watching for years already. And I think that that was really what drove home to me uh, for me when when I when I re- sat down to rewatch it recently well, uh, was that, that I remember getting that feeling because I watched it in college like it all happened for me in college co- with the comic book thing and with the anime I met some really cool friends that got me into some really cool shit and I remember you know them kind of sitting me down and or, or, or getting tossed you know the first you know DVD set or whatever for Cowboy Bebop session one or what mm-hmm. have you um and just being completely blown away and get, having that feeling. And I do think it is a lot of uh, to do with the soundtrack. And, and it was such a wonderful thing to hear that uh, Watanabe... Is that yes, Watanabe Shinichiro Watanabe, who is the the brain lord, is what I would like to refer to him as of Cowboy Bebop, and we'll get into some of the the dirty details in just a little bit. But uh, he is obsessed with music and believes that music is the universal language. And and uh, finding out about <laughs> looks that, like that dumb nerd never heard of Esperanto. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot, a fool. <laughs> um, and 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 that really, I think, is why. This show and his sensibility with music, and again, we'll get into uh, Yoko no, Kano, a- but her and her music stylings really drove home the like, oh my god, have I not? Th- I saw this before, right? I've been yeah. watching this for years, right? Well, that's a, a huge part of this show that makes it kind of the gateway drug for a lot of anime fans is that you don't need 
to know a lot. You don't need to know anything about Japanese culture to watch this. It's not this weird foreign thing where there's like schoolgirls and weird holidays and festivals and, you know, cities that are unrecognizable. It's, you know, even the street signs are in English in this show. Yes, they've purposely done to allow for uh, the communication of the show more easily to other yeah. countries. And so there's very there's very little hurdles, especially because the dub was so well done. Like, it's, it's incredibly easy to get into. Uh, none of that weird... Like, what are they wearing? What's happening? Why are the girls all bad? <laughs> Just yeah. using some common anime criticism. I'm immediately <laughs> thinking of the opening to Neon Genesis Evangelion, which I love, but it is like this super like J-pop sounding song <laughs> with like the lyrics are like the cruel angel's thesis bleeds. I think that's like the name of the yeah. song, but it's it's hilarious. Like I laughed my ass off the first time I saw it, but you know, I think I needed a Cowboy Bebop under my belt before I could get to uh, something like Neon Genesis Evangelion. It's actually called a cruel angel's thesis. That's yes. it. That is a the cruel name. cruel angel's the name. thesis and it's this like super K-pop sounding song. It just, it's very bizarre and kind of less tangible. Um, Whereas Cowboy Bebop is like immediately like here, you know jazz music, right? You know rock and roll. I mean, you've got the episodes are named after song titles and and musical stylings. Um, it definitely each episode has, was called a session. Yes, each episode's called it called a. I mean, it bleeds cool. Yes, like the whole thing bleeds cool. And you know, finding out more about the let's let's talk about him, Spike Siegel, right? Spiegel, Spike Spiegel, Spike. Spike Spiegel. Spike Spiegel. Spike Spiegel. He talks like that. Um, he uh, what what is he? He he. His design was was made with the intent of just straight up cool. Like that, uh, that's is, what they wanted. To to even break apart all the reasons why Spike Spiegel is cool is to like describe the history of coolness. Uh, the director, creator, head, Shinichiro uh, Watanabe, uh, talks about how the first thing that emerged fully formed in his head was the idea of Spike as this ultimate cool character. And you have to understand, too, that he started with the characters, and that really shines in the show. The characters and their arcs all really shine wonderfully in the show. He, he you know, the first thing he came up with was Spike and, and the other characters before even um, uh, the, the, the larger plot lines and everything. And it was uh, designed based on the main character of a show called Tante Monogatari, uh, which translates to detective story. Um, Did this, you look up clips of this? It, no, it's, but it's, he it's, looks a, hilarious. it's literally Spike Spiegel on the screen. Oh, really? He's just the this guy groovy looks guy really with funny. a shock of hair. He has that, like, he's kind of lanky, so whenever he kung fu fights, it has that kind of limb throwy Spike Spiegel energy about gotcha. him. Constantly smoking. Um, Spike is also kind of the classic noir hero archetype because uh, what makes a noir hero a noir hero is this weird, like, he's sympathetic but understands how the world works. Yes. So, like, his heart bleeds for, you know, these poor souls in the underworld that he inevitably comes across in every episode. If anything, another thing that uh, Cowboy Bebop has in common with noir stories is that it's almost more about the criminals in each episode. It's more about the mm -hmm. bounties who are kind of uh, taking, you know, they're the ones who are in danger. They're the ones who are kind of taking on these huge, uh, giant problems. And Spike's kind of just this passive 
kind of guy who's just in it for money. Yeah, a lot of times it's going to be some kind of... I was just watching the one with the uh, boy uh, oh, killer. This, <laughs> sympathy for the Devil. Sympathy for the Devil, actually, just, just earlier. And it, 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 a lot of episodes are like this where it sort of just starts off like, oh, it's a bad guy. Oh, that's a, that's a clever idea. A little boy bad guy. Cool. But then you find out his whole backstory, what what his, his whole deal is, mm-hmm. and you become very sympathetic for him so that by the end, when the good guy gets the bad guy, you're sort of feeling actually like really bad about it. Another thing about Spike Spiegel is uh, he dresses really, you know, he has, he dresses kind of goofy. Like he's mm-hmm. his physical proportions are weird with the big feet. He's and hunched the, and over. The, yeah. He was designed by uh, artist Kawamoto San. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he was uh, designed. <laughs> See, I'm doing it. I'm getting there. Um, preparing for my trip to Tokyo in 2018. Uh, does, he designed him purposely to look uncool. Um, sort of hunched over, big feet, this and that, so that when he kicks into action, he mm-hmm. starts doing high flying, badass, like, you know, fighting Jeet techniques. Jeet Kune Do. Jeet Kune Do. He's got the, you know, the force of the dragon or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just I'm just making it up out of my butt right it now. It sounded great. He looks super extra cool as the character designer that's, described. Because that's what every nerd wants to be. They don't want to be the bro. They don't want to be the jock. They want to be the fucking goofy cool guy that when push comes to shove knows how to kick a guy's face off. I want to turn into a big monkey when I get mad. No. Ooh, I wanted that in high school. It's like Jennifer didn't want to kiss me. And then I was like, yeah, but I'll beat all the boys up. And I turn into a big, hairy, mean monkey monkey called Gnarlesboro. And I'll go, welcome to Gnarlesboro County, brother. And then I'll punch a bunch of dudes and I'll eat a big banana. Jake? Slightly less cool than Spike Spiegel. (laughs) I was watching more Dragon Ball back in the day. That's the problem. I was watching Dragon Ball instead of Cowboy Bebop. But he has a cool spaceship with a laser cannon. Mm -hmm. He knows how to use nunchucks. He, like, is... Possible with a with a handgun. He has a fake cybernetic eye. He is literally a composite of all the things that nerds think is cool in a character. And it's that uh, late '90s kind of troubled past, gentle exterior kind of trigun vibe that was very popular at the time. Mm-hmm. 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 Also, um, one thing about he'll his- save the cat. You know what I mean? Yeah, he'll toad save the cat, even though he's kind of he'll, but he'll act all cool about it. He give he, the cat a bunch of weed afterwards. He'll give the cat a bunch of weed. He chain smokes, but never has a cough. Always cool, mm-hmm. and uh, he may or may not have uh, murdered several Chinese gangsters in a previous may life, or may not have murdered Maybe several confirmed Chinese gangsters. Killed a lot of Chinese gangsters. Maybe possibly killed several Chinese Hands gangsters. Hands stained with blood. <laughs> Allegedly. No, this is very, very... um, mm. (laughs) If flashbacks are to be believed. Um, He also, uh, that uh, cybernetic eye, too, uh, they wanted to give uh, all the characters flaws. Mm -hmm. And that was, he actually, originally they wanted to give him an eye patch, but uh, I think Bandai was the one who said no. Which, by the way, interesting thing about that, the show was originally um, signed on by Bandai's toy company. Okay, so it was created by Sunrise. Sunrise, the animation company that we previously covered in our Gundam episode. And if you're talking powerhouse money-making Japanese companies, the partnership of Sunrise and Bandai is an animation and toy empire that's made billions of dollars together. Billions and fucking billions of dollars. So they will ra- never see that money. It's the 90s. Animes are big. Toys are big. The internet is but a, a fleeting new wave of entertainment. Right now, there is like just so, you know, it's we talk about the golden age of TV. This was the golden age of anime. Like, if you were competent, you could get something done, and there was an audience for it. 
And Bandai's toy division signed on as the sponsor, and they said, they literally quoted, they said, so long as there's a spaceship in it, you can do whatever you want. Because they just wanted to spe- sell spaceship toys. Now, what and happened- Watanabe was like, mm-hmm. okay, I got spaceships, but hear me out. <laughs> what about gay relationships <laughs> and bloody violence? <laughs> and jazz, funk, rock and roll, and blues all mixed together. How does that sound? Can you Chain sell that? Chain smoking and re- desperado references. And then Bandai was like, oh, I think I see a, a giant uh, life-size Gundam behind you. And then Watanabe turned around, and then they went, psych! And then <laughs> ran away, backed out of the deal. Bandai uh, And Watanabe was like, no way, I didn't even describe the episode where a corgi did mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Mushroom samba, dude. Dude, I can't wait to rewatch that episode, by the way. I'm like, I, I so watched excited. it on the way here. It's yeah? still great. Oh, I can't wait to see that one. That's like definitely one of the highlights. I feel like we can definitely talk about some of the other yeah. highlight episodes in this wonderful series. of. Tw- it's only 26 episodes long, by the way. I think that's like an important thing to get across, which I love. Um We'll get there in a second. Hold on. So Bandai Visual steps in. That show almost did not happen until Bandai Visual stepped in to sponsor it. I guess that they liked enough of what they saw. Watsunami uh, uh, jokingly uh, said he would he would be like in the grocery store, like bagging groceries if it wasn't for Bandai Visual stepping in to save the show. Um so and 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 he he really rallied the staff uh saying that uh this show would be something memorable up to 3 decades later which i just love that uh reading that in my research because um it so is it's I mean, just this, so huge this was traditional animation with tons of uh mech you know spaceship and and vehicle designs uh detailed fight sequences lots of explosions like this must have been As someone that, like, even vaguely understands how drawing and animation works, you can tell just how much of a pain in the ass this was to make. Yeah. Unbelievable. Just that opening sequence alone is so has so much going on visually. Well, Sunrise 2 was always uh, known for their incredible visuals. They, oh, are you talking about how fans will always refer to it as Sunrise, sunrise smooth. smooth? That's right, Jake. <laughs> sunrise Smooth in you early in the morning. We've got bad weather outside. There's some traffic going on. Multiple wrecks. Many families have died. But you just sit back and relax as we play Gundam 08 MS Team Sunrise Smooth. <laughs> Yakima! I don't know. I'm just, I'm just making it up. Six Zeon! Uh, <laughs> it's a Gundam! Uh, so, yeah, Sunrise um, uh, was the company that, that put it all together. You might know them for Gundam. You might know them for a little-known show called Tiger and Bunny. You might know them for a show called Cross Angel Rondo of Angel and Dragon. I, I just tried not, to find the silliest. I do not know that Yeah, one. I just looked for this. Rondo! Rondo! <laughs> What does Rondo mean? Because there's Rondo of Blood is a popular Castlevania title. I think it's like an obscure music term. Cross Ange, Rondo of Angel and Dragon. Some listener, please uh, chime in on the Facebook page who has watched that show and give us a full report on what might as well just said Aria Flippity Bibble. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, also the whole series is credited uh, as being created by Hajime Yatate. And if you ever see that, uh, it's a pseudonym for the collective contributions of the animation staff. That's so odd in Japan they had that they also had that with video games where the 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 designers would have pseudonyms mm-hmm. and never go under their actual name and there's something about like the whole versus the the singular person what's the um what's the fake director name if you're like ashamed mm. of what you did um no i can't i, I can't well it's the opposite know. of that instead of uh, shame you're just so proud of what everyone did that you don't want any one person anyone to, to to take the credit uh unfortunately though when it finally broadcast 
Um, it was severely censored due to, which looking back on it, I kind of agree, a lot of violence. 6 p.m. time slot. A lot of people getting shot in the head in this movie, yeah. in this thing. Yeah, they definitely shoot shoot a boy, a child <laughs> boy in the head in the episode I just saw, and he's just smiling with a bullet hole in the middle of his forehead. A lot of That's blood. A lot of, yeah, it's it's almost, it almost sneaks up on you just how violent this show is, especially mm-hmm. uh, for having aired on, like, you know, basic cable but uh japan was especially sensitive at the time because there was a rash of like uh youth violence and the uh suspects would always say well i saw it in an anime kind of like uh the i remember back in the 90s people were mad at beavis and butthead because like someone lit their trailer on fire and was like oh no the mtv boys said it would be funny (laughs) oh my god this is is how i talk That's not I am eight talk. years old. No, they don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it aired in 98, uh, but they only aired like a handful of episodes that didn't even air the whole thing, even mm-hmm. though the whole thing was made at that point. Yeah. And then uh, it finally got its actual due uh, the next year in 99. They showed all 26 episodes on Wow Wow. Oh, the normal name for a satellite uh, channel. Yeah, Wow Wow. Yeah, yeah. I love turning on my TV and just uh, tuning to the old box to Wow Wow. Popping over to Wow Wow and mm-hmm. getting a little Wow Wow action. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And there, the, and also, if you remember, their big um, tagline for their network was, Wow Wow! TV shows! <laughs> so it was always Wow Wow Jimmy would get on. Wow Wow, we got 14 more hours of TV shows! It is amazing you spend all your money as a Japanese TV presenter on cocaine and bugs. <laughs> when I get lost in the grocery store, I get scared. Wow, wow. 14 to 16 more hours of shopping-themed television shows. And now a message from Hokkaido Dairy Concern. Wow, wow. Be careful with your dairy. Be concerned about about it i'm wow wow jimmy this entire family sitting in their living room in japan being like we do not have any idea what this man is saying <laughs> up next cowboy booby <laughs> i'm i'm jimmy mistakes on wow 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 jimmy uh is this the new spin-off podcast on cave comedy radio why did we hire him <laughs> wow wow it's jimmy I uh I I've left my rubber pants at home. <laughs> Clean up on aisle four. What do you mean the mics are already off? How is this still broadcasting? <laughs> wow, wow! <laughs> I got the voice of a wild speaker. <laughs> um, but back to educational inter- mm. inf- 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 infotainment. Infotainment. <laughs> infotainment. <laughs> That's what this show is. If we can't settle for tainment, we'll at least info. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but uh, back to the characters of Cowboy Viva. Uh, Jet Black was uh, Spike's foil. He was a cool motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Um, he was designed as Spike's opposite. He'd always be wearing like casual clothes when Spike was all kind of s- semi-dressed up. Which in anime terms is a sleeveless onesie. <laughs> yes, exactly. Faye Valentine, a self-proclaimed gypsy. Um, she has kind of an interesting arc where really she just doesn't trust anybody and she's mm-hmm. kind of stone cold like Spike is but becomes more emotionally connected to, to the guys. She fits that dame archetype where like sure allegiances are never quite clear. She's always looking out for herself. Um, I think she's like a well-made character, very sympathetic at times, but like without being a damsel in distress. 
And uh, she's very clearly based on the uh, character of uh, Fujiko Mine from uh, Lupin the Third. A lot of, actually, the core, the core trio. Glad you brought up Lupin the Third. I mean, which is worth its own episode. But needless to say, if you've ever watched Lupin the Third, the trio of Jigen, the hard-nosed, uh, bearded uh, pistol marksman, uh, Lupin, the uh, seemingly casual but deeply serious uh, thief, and uh, Fujiko, the da- the damsel who's out after her own interests and willing to use her sensuality to get what she wants, mm. very clearly mirror um, the the you know uh, Jet Spike and and uh, Faye. I keep Faye. wanting to say me- May Valentine. But- Faye Valentine right. is such a good name for like the the femme fatale, you know. It um, also helps that Lupin the Third famously had a very bump and jazz soundtrack, so like yes. the similarities are very very. Well, he was obviously heavily inspired by the show. Um, it was a show that was based on a manga series of the same name dating all the way back to 67. Man. Yeah, man. It's very old. Um, it's it's about Lupin the Third is the world's number one thief. And I think especially uh, the bump and jazz soundtrack, also the fact that he was very like fun-loving but also smart. And I think that we haven't even touched on the fact that this this show as, I believe, Watanabe, Watanabe? Watanabe, Watanabe, whatever you Watanabe want. Um, said that it was 80% drama, action, 20% comedy. There's a lot of com- comedic mm-hmm. elements in the show. Um, definitely uh, Ed, the hacker kid, is uh, the comic relief. I remember when I first saw the show, I did kind of not like Ed. It was like the That's one thing. That's a common, common yeah. thing. He's a little. It's a little ridiculous. It's the the gir- hacker girl um, that works uh, for the guy for the guys and and Faye and um, is sort of the wild card. Uh, the wild card originally designed to be a boy, but then they changed it to a girl to be uh, to kind of even out the gender on the ship. Uh, and if you want to see the original design for. Uh, Ed as the boy, it is the kid who's uh, one of the two kids that's stealing the dirty magazine in uh, session five. That is the original design they had for Ed until they changed it. And then Ayn, which is the Pembroke Welsh Corgi that has superhuman intelligence. Impeccably animated Mm. Corgi. Yes, wonderfully animated Corgi. Love the Corgi. (laughs) Not a weak point at all. Give me Corgi or give me death. Jake Young, agree or disagree? I, I agree. The data dog is good. There you go. It's a pretty good looking little Corgi. Right? Yeah, yeah, I looked it pup. up. It's a real cute little uh, cartoon That's the thing. He comes in a few episodes, or two, ep- no, second episode. Yeah, he comes in second episode, I believe. Um, yeah. Into the into the 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 fray, but yeah, all all very based off of uh, Lupin the Third. And by the way, I love the pseudonym of the creator of Lupin the Third. It is Monkey Punch, yep, <laughs> which is a great name pseudonym for a a comic book writer. Um, fantastic stuff. You, if you guys bother us for a Lupin the Third episode, we'll do it. It's only forty years of history. We'll you will <laughs> knock it out. I looked fifty, I was like, whatever. I started researching Lupin the Third. I was like, Whoa, like my brain just. <laughs> you want to talk Castle of Cagliostro? We'll do Castle of Cagliostro. Cagli- Cagli- it's like I can't even believe it. Like manga, I get how what like how old does manga go back to? I mean, if American comic books date back to, like, the 20s... True dat. ...then eventually some idiot's going to give Japan the printing press. There you go. Big mistake. Done. Idiots. Stupids. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. And uh, another thing I I really wanted to highlight was that uh, Watanabe-san... ...creatively approached the project. He wanted... To make each episode feel like its own movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is so 
he's so successful in making that happen. Also, before they even really like got into developing each episode, he knew the the basic ending that was going to happen with vicious and everything. A lot of people uh, note that that is one of the greatest, um, you know, or at least such a great, satisfying ending to a series. The other creators... Sticks the landing. That's one of the big deals, is that unlike, say, Battlestar Galactica or Lost or any of our dumb American shows made by infidels... Excluding Six Feet Under, finale rules... Yeah, but how many churches blow up in that one? It's true. No churches blow up in that one. It, it they, they crush it. His whole his whole underlying uh, or, or, or overarching arc um, that was a bit repetitive of of his his situation with Vicious, mm-hmm. the antagonist of the show um, that you only get. And I love the structure of that. I know you know other shows have emulated that a little bit, but as opposed to a lot of shows being uh, other shows where it's very serial, you might get like one or two one off standalone episodes. <laughs> But everything else is is about pushing the plot forward. This is like the other version of that, where most episodes are one-off situations. But every now and again, you get a taste of this uh, underlying plot mm-hmm. between um, between Spike and Vicious, and the the love that they shared, and the betrayal. Uh, what, what's the name of his love interest? Um, uh, Julia. Julia, I believe. And that whole thing, and the fact- Marcus double check Spike Spiegel girlfriend. And I think that's such a smart way to do it because like. You're you're already enjoying the show, but then every now and again you get an episode where they give you another taste of that arc, right? Yeah. And when that happens, you get all excited. You're like, oh, awesome. This is one of the episodes going to teach me more about this bigger plot. Because also because you care about these characters. Yeah. Like I, Even with the caveat that these are all very tropey archetypes. You've seen them go through all these situations. You've seen them interact with each other and care for one another. And um, the the show ends, instead of the classic tagline, see you space cowboy, uh, it ends with you're going to carry that weight, which mm. is a reference to the fact that um, the that was one of the last songs ever recorded by the Beatles, another foursome that we grew to love that eventually had to go their separate ways. And even though they were broken up by Yoko. Oh, shit. A Yoko that kept this show together. Yoko Kano, the composer. Perfect segue. He did it. He did it. Did it. He did it. Wow. Wow. Hello, um, President Trump. Cancel the bombs. He canceled the bombs. He did it. Who knew he had all that power? <laughs> um, Yoko Kano. She. I got okay. I I got a little crush going from doing this research. I had I had no idea that the creator of all of that music uh, was this this Japanese woman that that is like really cute you can, you can and say, yeah, she's a cute awesome and like but like badass like the, first of all just look up the seatbelts live in Tokyo and just see how fucking cool this chick is <laughs> she's wearing this like red leather trench coat this whole big band is surrounding him the, her the rocking tank ripping tank open this guy gets up and d- where they do that little sax part mm-hmm. he does like a way longer sax solo that just crushes and she's just dancing and just fu- and just l- soaking it in and then after all that they play some more jazz tunes from Cowboy Bebop and then she gets up there and she does just like solo piano just 
gorgeous solo piano work. She is the mastermind behind all of that incredible music, which is really something fantastic because like we said, it mixed together all of these different musical styles. You really think it's a completely different set of bands creating this music. Mm -hmm. And there was one band and that band was called the Seatbelts. And you want to know why they're called the Seatbelts? Because they talked about how they were jamming so hard they had to wear seatbelts they didn't hurt themselves. (laughs) How fucking cool is that shit? I love learning that. I mean, it's way better than the cowmen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're just riding riding on horses. We're manning so many cows. <laughs> or, you know, the only way we'll hurt ourselves is if we slip on a cow poo. It's oh. a fine band. I'm not I'm just saying name-wise. <laughs> Go we're calling ourselves the 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 uh, Seatbelts two parentheses. Come at me, Yoko. I, I got it. The crash test dummies. Yeah, because oh, oh, no. we're jamming mm. so hard mm. that we'll hit or we'll hurt ourselves mm. in the crash. Mm. Mm. In the thing. There is a band. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, I, I do have a warm place. Maybe we'll do an episode on the Crash Test Dummies. Actually, now that I think about it, that will, every nerd listened to that. Album, I think back in <laughs> back in the the nineties, right? Or at the very least, the uh, Weird Al Yankovic parody of it. Yes. Oh, I loved that. Okay, but anyway, well, we'll get to a Weird Al Yankovic. Watanabe and Ano talk about how they collaborated between each other, where she would write a song, and that would inspire Watanabe to write a, to create a scene, which would then counter inspire her to write a different song. And uh, she's in, she's very much credited as having a lot of influence on the direction of the series. Yep. Some songs in the second half of the series, Watanabe says, we didn't even ask her for those songs. She just made them and brought them to us. Um, he described it as a game of catch between the two of us in developing the music and creating the TV series Cowboy Bebop. And really, um, uh, the way Yoko works in a very different way uh, than a lot of composers. She actually started making music before seeing anything from the show. Um, a, a lot of the, which which really informs how mu- inherent the music is to the show. She was she was creating music and bringing in music like as they were creating it before they created a lot of stuff. And I think that that and it's so inherent, it's so connected to to the music. You really couldn't imagine the show happening without the music. Uh, always a lot of time, most episodes would have a big chase sequence with some jamming Ano music blaring in the background, kind of keeping up the pace. Uh, one one piece of music that, like, honest to God, if I'm, like, way too high and, like, couch-locked, uh, it, it, it fucks me up. It's the music uh, from Pierre Le Fou, where uh, the where they're in like the dark government lab where it's just like that like is that's part of my soul. Let's just talk about Pierre Pierre Le Fou, right? Pierre Le Fou. Uh, for a second, I must have watched that. Uh, speaking of getting high and watching a thing, I must have got high and watched that like a gazillion times. That particular episode back in college, I love that. Like that episode is perfect to me. Uh, a lot of people say it was inspired by Batman the Animated Series because mm. there's a lot of shot compositions that are very similar, especially that, like uh, yeah. the roller coaster sequence. Yeah. There's a very similar uh, thing going on. The presentation of this bizarre like cartoonish character and then you discover their dark backstory so it's this big round um, penguin joker man yeah penguin joker guy he like laughs a lot and he acts like a child Mm. and you find out why later in the episode Um, but at first he's just sort of unstoppable and he really is one of the characters uh, one of the villains in the show that is like the most dangerous I feel like Mm -hmm. that is the most deadly and Spike has to go in and try to take him down and almost meets his end and then you find out his 
his old backstory was he was like a government test subject, right? Yeah. And that's kind of when that music comes in and everything. Um, and a lot of it takes part part in a theme park. Almost yeah. feels a little like um, the Joker, uh, Alan Moore, uh, yeah, yeah. a little bit. Um, Very much so. Uh, also, another reason why I love that episode is some episodes were more quiet, some episodes were more character-based, but they had these, like, to these this this toy box of cool shit, and one of their coolest cool shit was badass high energy Spike Spiegel fight sequences. Yeah, and this whole episode is like basically an excuse for Spike Spiegel to do every cool thing he can possibly do to stay alive. Yeah, because the big bad is this you know unkillable nightmare monster with the power to fly and a, and a top hat and cane. It's so good. It's so good. That episode. If you're gonna, I would say like watch. Like the first episode, if you're gonna breeze, just mm-hmm. check out a couple. The first episode, that and like Mushroom Samba, and like maybe you know, and maybe episode, I think it's five, which is the first kind of big vicious episode. Um, uh, would yeah. be good. There's but- also, I, I also really liked, uh, I really liked Toys in the Attic, which was their big alien homage. Awesome. Um, a lot of homages to to, to yeah. known what film, especially American Hollywood films. Mushroom Samba is one we talk about a lot because it is it's it's kind of um, it stands out in terms of setting and tone. It's black exploitation spaghetti western <laughs> drug trip. <laughs> Like that's incredible, um, and pr- and so well. Me- like, we're, by the way, we're talking. You know, a lot of things like to throw a bunch of things together and see what happens, right? But but Cowboy Bebop, what what puts that above everything else is it's it's like a DJ, a really good DJ mixing all that together. It's like a remix that just feels right. It feels good, you know. I mean, it's it's perfectly melded. The lines are smoothed mm-hmm. out. They're all they all fit together in a way. And I think again, going back to that, wow, I feel like i've seen this before i feel like i've been watching this show for years i think that is why because they'll have like three genres in there and three character archetypes that you know and have been watching for years and then but then all they're just adding in these strange other more exotic elements that make it fresh and new and feel just way cool uh some of the recurring elements uh that i kind of want to touch on because they kind of show up then and again is uh uh sympathetic criminals hard luck stories uh, people taking big chances, trying to you know improve their station in life or escape from some kind of uh, unfortunate situation, and just not quite being able to pull it off. Which uh, yeah, I, I saw a video on uh, on YouTube where someone did an analysis that like our four main characters are all trying to escape something and have kind of settled into this bounty hunter routine, trying to distract themselves from the thing they really should be looking for. Uh, Faye with her past, uh, Jet with his old friends and, f- and family uh spike with his uh dead chinese guys <laughs> uh ed with her family and uh this whole series they come across these poor people that have you know been broken or have been you know trying to change their station life only to be caught in these hopeless situations i think back to uh the first episode the uh the gangster and his girlfriend mm-hmm. kind of bonnie and colliding out at the end and mm-hmm. uh the series ends as each of them finally go their separate ways trying to like kind trying to make that change um another big step is uh cool fight sequences with a this incredibly kinetic style where like once spike is going he is like constantly moving and yes. tumbling over things and like flipping around a lot of minimalism and then just like boom it's yeah. just awesome action sequences these these quiet moments of contemplation that then explode into giant action sequences but also that you can have sp- you know space wars mm-hmm. star wars maybe one might say 
and then also like a badass like you know kung fu western style fight on the streets yeah you know and and the mixture of all that stuff just gives you a happy if you're a person who sort of digs like all those kinds of things mixed together really well and then all of the like we don't even talk about you know how this is the same company that did Gundam and Macross and Macross so the mechanical designer uh, Kimitashi Yamane he he worked on you know Mobile Suit Gundam uh, series like the 8th MS team Mm -hmm. and stuff like that like I mean all of the spacecraft and everything just looks great you um, know? there was a holy shit re- moment I remember as a kid watching the first kid teenager whatever for the first <laughs> time where uh, the bebop is a weird looking spaceship and it never quite clicked to me until they finally land on a water planet and you realize it's a fishing vessel <laughs> oh that's Awesome. Like, it, yeah. it looks natural on the water. It's like, it's a seaplane. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm, it's so dumb. So much attention to detail like that, because you have, like, the Gundam people creating all of the the aircraft and stuff. So it's just so, like, that is not just some air that's not just some spacecraft it is like some legit ass designed spacecraft and then also when you get to the city streets it's legit ass designed and and toned it's a lived in world yeah it feels incredibly lived in um a lot of it takes place on mars inspired heavily by new york and hong kong um but also i really love the multiculturalism in the entire series as a whole it is every culture it's the whole idea that the, the earth blew up and that people are living on sort of different, uh, like, the colonized... development, an accident in the gateway technology that allows for interplanetary travel uh, uh, disrupted the Earth's axis and caused giant meteor showers to just fuck shit up constantly. So humanity basically abandoned uh, Earth, and Mars became the kind of hoity-toity, urbane, uh, you know, place where, like, society kind of redeveloped, but there's still this kind of outworld uh lawless frontier that's still very apparent um and they made decisions about the different planets and and about what who inhabited the different planets mm-hmm. in the solar system and that's i feel like even though we don't even visit some of these other planets very much those decisions were made and that really shines through in terms of what you're saying with a lived in world and and just the fact that it's yeah it's just a melting pot and they really go with that um as much as it's inspired by western culture really there's so much there's so much culture it's like so wait, seeping with different So you're telling cultures. me it's kind of like a wild west meets Chinatown meets uh, uh, rich versus poor kind of that sounds a lot like Firefly yeah never huh. saw it you never saw Firefly I have not yet seen it I'm oh, sure we we're gonna do an episode well on we already it. did the Cowboy Bebop episode so we basically did it <laughs> alright Joss so not, Whedon you fucking hack we're not doing you fucking uh, bald headed we're never doing a Firefly episode slaying. you jerks <laughs> I don't care who asked for it on the face, Facebook page and what's that what's the movie Serendipity or something <laughs> What? Felicity? What's the movie they made at the end of the Firefly? Oh, Serenity. Serenity. Felicity? <laughs> We're not doing an episode on that movie either. I mean, we might do an episode episode on Chiwetel Ejiofor, but other than that. No. Okay. There you go. Uh, but <laughs> Firefly came out basically a year after Cowboy Bebop aired in America and is very clearly inspired by it um, in, in all the ways I just described. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot uh it's you know because it was such a formative uh 
what's the right word vertex of coolness uh, a lot of young directors and creators have pointed to Cowboy Bebop as an inspiration for their visual the director and of the film Brick and Rianne uh, Johnson yeah who's uh, doing the next uh, Star Wars oh yeah he'll do great yeah he'll be great for it a I lived love, in, I like, oh wait a lived in, yes I mean Star Wars yeah is a lived in sci-fi universe with go. like yeah, ah, it's so Western, good. yeah, and stuff. Um, yeah, so uh, there was a film that did come out in 2001, Cowboy Bebop the movie. Uh, it was actually set between episodes 22 and 23 because, of course, the story ends with the 26th episode, which I love. And Watanabe always said that uh, he, Watanabe always said that he. Uh, wanted it to end. He wanted to be released from the show. He didn't want to, if, if the show were as successful as he thought it would be, he was the one person who was so confident it was going to be incredibly, incredibly popular. Uh, he uh, needed it to end to be released from it so he wouldn't be trapped to making mm-hmm. Cowboy Bebop stuff for the rest of his life, um, which I thought was pretty cool. The other creators of the show were against it. He had to really sell them on the idea of his big kind of finale episode. So, of course, when they went back to make a movie later on, they uh, set it in, uh, up in between it was it was uh, in between episodes two and three it has uh, strong uh, Arabic thematic elements he traveled to Morocco to do research um, and I God I know I've seen it because I remember the art it, from it yeah it wasn't as uh, I liked it plenty um, you know it kind of just put you back in that cowboy bebop headspace but it definitely uh, falls short of the incredibly high standard that the show uh, kind of left you on. when the show is just so perfect mm-hmm. like what do you do what do you do there? I mean, it has the cool chase sequences. It has the Spike Spiegel fight scenes. It, it has that noir. It does show a more vulnerable Spike, correct? Okay. Yeah. Like you get some more of his inner monologue. You get some more of his kind of emotional. I'm sorry. We glossed over something that I really wanted to cover. Uh, the English dub is fucking it's so great. good. Just, yeah, it's so good. It launched a lot of those voice actors' careers. Super producer Marcus Parks. I want you to look up the, the, the collected works of a man named Steve Bloom. He voiced Spike. Spiegel, he voiced right? Spike, and it was, according to interviews with him, uh, his debut role as an honest to god like voice actor, not as just kind of a voice over gig to gig kind of guy. And he was incredibly nervous because Spike has, even though he's just just a cool guy with a smooth voice that sometimes gets mad, <laughs> um, you know, it was a big it was a big deal for him. And the fact is, it was a breakout performance. Mm-hmm. Like it is such an iconic voice. He watched a lot of noir films to prepare for the role. Mm-hmm. Um, he said it was uh, the more vulnerable moments for Spike were, were definitely the most challenging moments for him. Um, and, yeah, it definitely blew the doors off of his career. Uh, and the coolest thing I found out about Steve Bloom, besides the fact that he's voiced a million video game characters, like literally a million, and the voice of Wolverine in, like, half the cartoons that have ever been made, uh, is on his on his arm he has the sound form, you know, the sound wave, like, uh, tattooed, uh, of just the his final line as Spike, bang, <laughs> and you can see it like trail off on his That's arm. It's super awesome. Rad. He also played Lord Feth in Super Dimension Fortress Macross Two. Yeah, I God. love Super Dimension Force Macross Two. I mean, can you even imagine Super Dimension Ma- Force Macross Two without Lord Feth? Super Dimension Macross Force Two <laughs> is like undeniably un- one of the greatest Macross. Uh, I mean, when you finish Super Defense Macross Force One, you were like, "How are they going to wrap this up?" And I, I was just like, "I was like, what time is it? What time is it?" And they were like, "Why do you keep doing that?" I was like, "That's." 
my thing whenever I finish a Super Macross Force uh, <laughs> And they followed Super Dimension Fortress Macross 1 with Super Dimension Fortress Macross 2, Lovers Again. Lovers Again. And that only- was the weird part where the Macrosses start fucking and sucking <laughs> on each other. That, that I could have done without. In America, uh, it was the Robotechs fucking and sucking each other. It was like, other. okay, I get it. You got to be edgy, okay? I understand. You got to get those ratings. But, like, seriously, like, yeah. machine penis? No, thank you. He played Lord Fef and Major Nex. Major, I'm Major Next. Holden, you are Major Next. Ah, Major Next. Come down to Wow Wow and get yourself some free milk. We are not only a television station, we also are a grocery store. Nothing scares me more than getting lost in this grocery store. Wow Wow. Um, Do the Wow Wow, which was a popular dance, by the way. Uh, the crew that the team that put together Cowboy Bebop uh, spun off and created a lot of new animation studios. Let's talk about it. Bones. Bones. Bones did good work. Yeah, they totally. Um, Why did I say that condescendingly? <laughs> I feel like everything I say is condescending. Um, Bones. Yeah, yeah. So they they spun off and created Bones. I mean, uh, are you talking about uh, Watanabe's uh, work that he went on to do, or are you talking about other other things? There's it's this. There's a pedigree that like it kind of. Sp- Bands from Cowboy Bebop into all these little nooks and crannies in popular anime. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, his follow-up, Watanabe's follow-up series, was the equally popular in America. Yeah, equally cool, equally musical, equally badass, violent, shaggy-haired protagonist. Spacey, Space Dandy. I was going to say Samurai Shampoo. Oh, right. Space Dandy is the weird um, sci-fi comedy that came out recently. It yes. came out recently. Samurai Shampoo, <laughs> Jake. Absolutely. Shop like the edge of a samurai sword. My metal blade cut through flesh and bone. <laughs> I need to see this show really badly, Jake. Oh, it's very good. I mean. Yeah. Well, also, problem. I really want to see Kids on the Slope really badly. I never saw it. It looks awesome. Kids on the Slope is like a very human kind of down-to-earth thing. It's it's a kid in high school that meets this other kid. They start playing jazz music together. Um, Yoko does the music. Um, it's directed by Watanabe, and it just looks neat. And I, I definitely I wanted to recommend it to others and, and check it out myself. But Samurai Champloo, let's talk about it. I mean, that's a whole other episode, but yeah. it's it's – that same arc of people brought together through un, un, uh, you know, unlikely circumstances, kind of navigating their way through uh, kind of an adventurer's poverty. Uh, but instead of space, it's in feudal Japan. And there's an episode where um, there's a sword fight in the middle of a burning pot field, and it's fucking badass. I definitely want to see it, especially knowing that it's very hip-hop influenced right. uh, samurai. I mean, again, just like, let's mix it up. Let's take these different sounds, genres, and things, and throw them together, and we're going to get something good, right? Sounds like we got to watch a lot of anime now. Yeah, it sounds like I'm still, I am watching a lot of anime now, so <laughs> I'm on, uh, what am I, I'm almost done with season one of JoJo. Um, <laughs> Welcome aboard, Yeah, friend. buddy, so that's oh. the second, uh, the first two st- JoJo stories, the first mm. two different JoJos, I'm almost done with the second JoJo, on to, uh, excited to get on to the third, I'm oh. sure we're going to do an episode about JoJo's Adventure. We're going to do JoJo month. <laughs> yeah, I think we will, I think we'll need to do like a multi-parter on JoJo. <laughs> Um, trying to watch a lot of different things right now, but uh, Kids on the Slope, I definitely want to check out once I'm done with, um, and Samurai Shampoo, once I'm done with Cowboy Bebop. Um, but besides that, I did want to say, mention Space Dandy looks crazy. It's a sci- science fiction comedy anime that he did. 
And uh, besides that, um, there was a little, supposed to be a little live action Cowboy Bebop in the works. Oh. Yeah, dude. In 2008, it was reported that uh, 20th Century Fox had a script. Uh, Watanabe uh, San was reportedly on board. Um, The writer was Peter Craig, who wrote a little known film called Top Gun 2. It is, yeah, it's very little very known. Very little known. I had no idea, <laughs> had no idea were, it existed until were, you mentioned it. The plans were to release the film in 2011. They signed on a better known star named Keanu Reeves, um, but there was no uh, uh, director attached. So, Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, wait. He was supposed to be Spike. Keanu was. Of course. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves already made a movie where he's Spike Spiegel, and it's called fucking John Wick. Yeah. A reformed gangster who's, yep. like, cool and has a cute puppy that, like, doesn't want to be drawn into the gang violence, but then they come, they fuck with him, and he has to, like, wreck their shit. And you know what's hilarious, too, is Watanabe did a couple of uh, short uh, uh, anime kind of uh, oh, yeah, yeah. cartoons for the Animatrix. I watched that once and was like, that was cool, never yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in a 2013 AMA, uh, Keanu said, uh, Cowboy Bebop does not look like it is going to happen with me in it. The script that was written was great and amazing, but it would cost like half a billion dollars to make it. And while Also, I wish- I'm like 50. <laughs> yeah. And while I wished and hoped I would have done the project, we are working on trying to get Bill and Ted 3 off the ground. Ooh. So there's a script and we are trying trying to put it together and Watanabe uh, said about the production hell um, mm. that it, it uh, ended up getting into I'm afraid I don't know what they're thinking in Hollywood apparently the project hasn't come to a stop but I don't know how it's going to progress from here on I hear that there are a lot of Hollywood quote unquote problems but um uh, either way, uh, I don't know if they should make a live-action Cowboy Bebop. I think it's pr- a perfect kind of concise thing to just go and appreciate. Um, and uh, there's just there's so much there. And definitely check out uh, the seatbelts live in Tokyo playing all of the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack. Definitely check out Cowboy Bebop. Like even yeah. if you even if you even if it's, you haven't watched it since Adult Swim, or you have never you don't like anime, just it's the only thing that might get you in. It's, it's, yeah, I, I have to repeat, it was that fucking good. Yep. And it was humbling to kind of just watch this thing that meant so much to me half a lifetime ago and have it still have that impact. Yep. Um, All right. Any any last words before we close this one out, Jake? My girlfriend did not care for Faye's attire. <laughs> uh, it is kind of what I'd like to describe as a sex raincoat. <laughs> And she and uh, we were not unable to get to the part where the uh, she she displays her like full character arc. So it was just uh, like no no no. Okay, ignore the fact that she's in a sex raincoat and she's handcuffed. That's like what you have to do always in, in getting <laughs> watching anime. anime with your uh, girlfriend. Lexi did enjoy it, but we were hammered and she fell asleep like halfway through. So, um, but she did enjoy it, even though she doesn't remember enjoying it, which freaked her out because she was like, "Wow, we watched that show." So there you go. But. I will say that she was actually like trying to stay awake because she was like, "This is really fucking cool." There's a lot of porno videos featuring raincoat, oh. raincoats. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Does it have its own section? That's what I uh, want to know. Well, I mean, there's a whole uh, section on GrannyFox.me called Rubber Raincoat. Yeesh. I'm into a lot of galoshes play. Do you have anything? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for listening to this. Uh, my name is Holden McNeely. Uh, this is Wizard and the Bruiser. Please, please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, 
going to double that down. If you're listening right now, if you've liked what we've done, it it helps. It is the way to help us, and we would we will definitely be appreciative as we nervously check the iTunes charts on our phones. <laughs> and um, you can catch me on Holdnator's Ho on Twitch, especially every Monday night. I do a stream with my girlfriend called Lexi Loves Game Night. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Best Jake Young. And uh, uh, low key, just between you and me, guys, I think we're going to start uh, doing streams on Dorkly. So t- tune in for uh, Thursday Mario mods with Jake. Awesome. Uh, uh, one last thing, too. The Please cow- don't insult my face. <laughs> <laughs> the Cowman was mentioned on this episode. So go to Spotify, check out the Cowman. Marcus Parks, super producer, plays drums. Uh, I play a little guitar and sing. And uh, yeah, go Have check Have we never out mentioned it? Um, Your I band's know. fucking yeah, amazing. You know, it is the best spooky country album I've ever bought <laughs> in my entire life. It's a, yeah, and you can buy our album on Bandcamp. Actually, that's probably yeah. the place I should send people. It's still Spotify's. Fun. Yeah, we get paid there too. I think a little like two pennies <laughs> for every hundred listen. Well, anyways, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Take care. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to CaveComedyRadio.com. <laughs>